Mr. and Mrs. Autism and all the ships at sea, you are listening to Stim for Stim, the relationship podcast by and for autistic people. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Zach Budrick. Who else is here with me today? Hi, uh, Charlie Stern and uh, my emotional support bird. Hello, Paris Geller Stern. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Paris. And we are uh, honored to introduce our our guest for today, someone that I have uh, known for a minute and have been wanting to have on the podcast for a while. She is the uh, first openly autistic woman admitted to the Florida Bar. Please welcome to the program, Haley Moss. Hi, everyone. Great to get to join you. I'm Haley Moss. I am an autistic attorney, author, artist, and I get to, I love getting to talk about accessibility and neurodiversity. So it's great to get to join everybody. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, so today's topic, um, we didn't turn to the listeners. We turned to each other. So we all prepared things that we wanted to bounce off of each other, things we need advice on, um, things maybe we're unclear on as autistic people um, interacting with the non-autistic world. Um, And we're just going to, you know, bounce things off of each other, figure out boundaries, figure out communication. So um, should I go first? Yeah, you can. Sure. So I tweeted out the screenshots of this one guy um, saying, hey, 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 hey. Um, and of course, his, his name in my phone is Art from Tinder. I don't know his last name. Um, <laughs> and he will text me at like 7 a.m. Like, why are you horny at 7 a.m.? And, and he oh um, recently texted me, um, guess you don't want to talk anymore. Please delete all my pictures and conversations. And then like three weeks later, hey, Um, so (laughs) I desperately wants attention. Um, and so that got me thinking like, you know, when someone doesn't respond to my messages, I just stop messaging them. And that's like Mm -hmm. what, Mm -hmm. what I thought was supposed to happen. Um, but then once in a while, like, you know, obviously men are worse at boundaries once in a while, um, (laughs) you know a man will try to contact me and then not stop. And sometimes it actually is welcome. Like, you know, I had a really bad month in October, which is when I um, ignored art from Tinder. And, you know, whenever I want to pick it back up, I obviously can pick it back up because he's... He seems pretty interested. Yeah, he's DTF 24-7, obviously. Um, And so, you know, there was someone I was hooking up with... um, uh, occasionally this year and he did have COVID and, um, we were safe about that. And we picked each other as our, our one unmasked person, um, which a lot of polyamorous people have had to do. Like, you know, you're dating so many people, but you can only safely see one person like in your actual home. Um, Mm -hmm. so I hadn't heard from him in a while and, um, we're not Facebook friends and he doesn't use Instagram or Twitter. Um, And so I really needed to know that he was still alive. Like I hadn't heard from him in a long time. Um, And, you know, people who have had COVID can die at any point. Um, You know, things are so bad with their lungs and their hearts and everything. Um, And even though he had it over the summer, I was like, oh, my God, like if he died, I wouldn't know. Um, So I texted him like, hey, I have to know that you didn't die. Um, And of course he responded and like, now we're back in our rhythm and our flow. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, 
but yeah, I thought it was so, um, I didn't want to feel like overbearing or like not predatory, but I didn't want to, um, feel entitled to his answers, even though I really, really needed to hear from him. Um, and so, you know, I don't understand, like, I guess, I guess it's an object permanence thing because once someone is Mm -hmm. out of my life, I'm like, oh, okay, I won't contact them ever again. Um, you know, if someone doesn't get back to me, I don't like, I don't really circle back around. It's not like, you know, for, for work, for like emailing someone that you're going to work with, you can be like, Hey, just checking in. But like, if, if you have sexual feelings for someone or, you know, um, a close emotional friendship that is, um, fraught at times, you know, this is Mm -hmm. the year of such fraught relationships with others. Um, yeah, I just, you know, once we stop talking, we stop talking forever until we die. Um, (laughs) so, you know, that's, that's my issue. Um, and I want to hear, um, I want to hear that I'm wrong and the ways in which I'm wrong. Sure. So I really think that, you know, obviously, first and foremost, all the rules of how we reach out to one another went out the window this Mm -hmm. year in Mm -hmm. particular. And I think that part of the reason I got so into like communication on social media specifically, as opposed to, uh, uh, calling people like I'm 700 years old or te- or texting them like I'm 12 years old is that, uh, you, you know, you, you, there's kind of more of an opportunity to perform for your friends. It's, kind of, uh, it's so true, though. Yeah. like Especially with, like, major life things that's just letting people know you're alive or that something happened yeah. in your life. Like, I know even with social media, at least for me, like, my dog – we had to put my dog down at one point, like during COVID, obviously. And like, I didn't want to just go text people like I'm 12 and go, oh, by yeah. the way, this happened and have to relive every moment of that mm-hmm. trauma and that related thing. Like, yeah, he he was 14 years old and don't want to relive like, hey, yeah, at one point he couldn't stand, he couldn't this, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to relive it 50 times by informing people. So I'm like, you know, what? I'll just put it on Facebook. People can say their condolences. If they feel compelled to reach out to me, they can. If not, no hard feelings, but just enough to kind of handle that. Because I think I see where you're coming from too with that texting communication can be a lot yeah especially when especially in these times it's like let me just take care of it very blanket and move on you know it's like the equivalent of you know i always i I always used to love work happy hours uh or happy hours with (laughs) friends because not, not not because i'm nuts about bar culture and networking culture or anything i'm oh god not a, really a big fan of either but and i same though i really like the idea though of sort of a fishbowl where you don't have to feel like you might be bothering someone to hang out with you personally but you mm-hmm. can just mingle among them and so sort of sort of that uh same experience with uh like everybody sort of uh holding their time and attention in common mm-hmm. i'm trying to think about your charlie's situation with art from tinder and mm-hmm. the masked or unmasked partner so with art from tinder that seems like something that happens a lot with 
guys on the internet generally is that they don't know when to take the hint that you're just simply not interested or they don't know your texting and communication habits. You know, like some people that I'm friends with or not so good friends with will text me constantly and I will just suck at responding because executive functioning, I got busy, I meant to respond and didn't send it, Mm -hmm. who knows what. But I think there comes a point that they have to get the message that like this person's just not interested and I feel like there comes a point that if art from Tinder just keeps reaching out and it makes you uncomfortable or he just seems that into you that you're like, uh, no, you just have to say, I'm just not down. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Or like this, or like this is making me uncomfortable. Goodbye. Thank you. Next. Or just block or just block. It is comforting that I can leave him on the bench forever and he's ready to hop back up whenever I respond to him. But are you ready to hop back up? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think I think I hold the power here. Um yeah. Yeah, so I I'm not bothered by him. I don't feel unsafe. Um but you know, men's terrible boundaries make me think like what are my boundaries with men when I am initiating mm-hmm. things? Um, you know, for example, my my covid hookup. Mhm. I think that's a really good question to ask yourself, like, what are my boundaries? And I think obviously the difference between someone you're hooking up with and someone that you haven't met, like Art from Tinder that doesn't, or I'm assuming you haven't met because he's just no, messaging you constantly. Okay, you have met. Yeah. But like, if he just messages you constantly and you're just not feeling it, I think you have to say, okay, this is how I feel about this person. I don't want to continue this. They don't seem to understand that. When do I say enough is enough? Or do I just feel good about the fact this person just keeps reaching out and I have all that power? So that mm. might not just be a boundaries thing so much as a you get you enjoy the self-esteem aspect of having that power because I think so often in relationships especially with men a lot of us who might not be men sometimes feel like this is uncomfortable or this is awkward or we want that kind of equality or to be the ones who hold power when society dictates that we don't. Mhm. And Charlie, I think maybe I'm off base here. It seems like uh what you're describing is also sort of like a level of interest on your part that is hard to put in a box necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll be up for you know he's he's more of a sexting guy. Like I've tried to get him to come over, not in a pandemic, and like I didn't realize that some guys would like to be sexting guys, and some guys would like to uh, collect pictures and not necessarily um, come fuck. So, um, yeah, no, he's complicated. I, I don't necessarily need advice on how to deal with him. I need advice sure. on, like, how to, like, you know, take some of his confidence. Um, because now, now that I did reach out to my COVID hookup, now I am feeling more comfortable being, like, demanding and demanding that mm-hmm. he respond to me as as a dom and him as my sub um mm-hmm. you know but I didn't want to it's so funny because I didn't I, I was scared of like being like hey how are you but now I'm not scared of like you know demanding his um his attention and um obedience but yeah, the the sort of like um, the more normal like, hey, what's been up for you? Or like, what are you working on? You know, it it just feels like um, if 
if they're not responding, then I should just um, forget they exist for the rest of my life. I always follow the rule with people that I don't know too well as far as res- like from my boundaries because I'm scared to always come off like too pushy or anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a matter of socializing, but just someone explained it to me is it's kind of like a game of tennis and you get a certain amount of serves before you just stop serving to that person. Mm. Like you that get like sense. two or two or yeah. three serves because if you take if you keep serving over and over like art from Tinder seems to do like hey 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 like it kind of makes some people just feel really freaked out or like why don't they get the net so I'm always like mm. what is this what is the amount of times I'm willing to serve and put myself out there and say like hey what's going on blah 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 what are you working on whatever it might be how many serves am I willing to take without getting the ball served back mm-hmm. yeah that that's a good way to put it mm-hmm. someone explained it to me that way and I was like wow that makes total sense and that's a great way to set that boundary so you don't have so like if you serve it once or twice and you don't get a response or you get a response in the second time you could be like you know what I did the thing I put myself out there and if they never get back to you you tried own yeah. it embrace yeah. it yeah yeah this is easily the most enlightening uh, sports analogy has ever been for me. I am not way. a I am not a sports person, but I do kind of like the idea of the back and forth. And there's a couple times you just get you know you take your shot, mm-hmm. hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. I do want to bring up that when I break up with someone, um, Ugh, that's forever, and mm-hmm. I I just go on assuming that they no longer exist. Um, so when, when I have someone blocked on Facebook, um, because Mm -hmm. I block, I block so many people all the time and, um, uh, you know, that's maybe very mentally ill of me, but, um, when I, when I see it's about, it's boundary um, set, it's boundary setting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, consider, considering recent events, it's, you, you, I mean, they, they definitely bear out the, uh need to be better safe than sorry as far as that goes mm-hmm. yeah when I, but i'm saying when i see someone like tagging an ex of mine in a comment and like you know the the name isn't blue but it's still written out i'm like oh my god i thought they died you know um <laughs> like so when someone is out of my life they're out of my life completely um mm-hmm. and i know from you know, television and movies that some people do contact their exes um, Mm -hmm. after, you know, one or two years. um, And I will never do that. That seems so weird to me. Like, I killed you off. You are dead. (laughs) Wow. I feel the complete opposite because I think every relationship is different. So the people that I've dated, I'm actually still friends with. So, oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to have someone who I dated on this podcast, actually. Um, but going, going down my list of like (laughs) people I've slept with most of, no, half, half of those people, I think, um, they no longer exist. They no longer exist. Yeah. (laughs) I have a couple that of people that like I've dated that fall into that, like no longer exist category. And then there's people that we have mutuals and I know that someone that I've dated is a mutual of all of us and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Like things like that. And like, you know what, they exist, but they exist in this very specific way. They do not exist yeah. in that we hang we hang out in person anymore, that we didn't hang out in person for a long time anyway. They exist in this space of Facebook, Twitter, whatever, because that's just our relationship. And like every once in a while, like a, a text on birthdays and holidays and the occasional phone call if we think it's necessary. But that's kind of the space of that some of these people exist and that I think that's kind of okay to have too. So I think every relationship is different. And if they don't exist, that object permanence thing, I kind of get that though, because there are people that I would be very glad to remember do not exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that sometimes is a super healthy boundary to set. 
Sure. Yeah, I mean, I have sort I'm of... I'm going to give classic oh. lawyer answer. It depends. No, no worries. I didn't mean to interrupt, by the way. It's okay. I, I just talk a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Me, me too. I just... I, I sort of have a... a uh, foot in both worlds, uh, just because I really only had uh, two relationships uh, before uh, mm-hmm. before Rachel, and obviously neither of them were anywhere near as serious. But <laughs> one I uh, remain uh, fairly friendly with. She was one of my she was a close friend sister. That's how we met. And mm-hmm. the other one, she just like uh, completely dropped off the face of the earth to the point <laughs> that we never even formally broke up. So that's mm-hmm. really opposite ends of the spectrum as far as that goes. And oh, uh, for sure. And it, how, how do we even define serious? I mean, that's kind of a question that I've had sure. forever because people will be like, "How many serious relationships have you had?" Like in my personal life, I'm like I don't even know how you decide serious. Is that like length of time? Is it that we wanted like a commitment? Like, what does that mean? Sure. I mean, I uh, <laughs> I, I I felt like Rachel and I were serious when we moved in together, but uh, mm-hmm. these other two relationships I'm talking about were in high school, and I obviously did not move in with either of my high school girlfriends. <laughs> uh, I am very glad that I did not move in yeah. with my high school boyfriend. Oh god, I'm just so, so I, I avoided uh, so much by being my high school self and having a place of my own. It's uh, <laughs> I am so glad I didn't get the tattoos I wanted to get um, while I was in relationships in high school. I'm glad that it's not legal to get a tattoo at 17. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it is as long as you, your parents like sign off on it, but oh, I'm not 100% geez. sure. No, you I, knew, I knew people when I was in high school. You're 21. I knew people in high school and they'd get something on like their wrist or something. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty serious. That's a commitment. Yeah, so it's this... Uh... That uh, that this this person I'm convinced I love more than I will ever love anybody else, or worse, this band that I'm convinced I love more than I will love any other band. It's way worse, honestly. I I do want to say that I I have friends who are off social media, um, just because they're anarchists um, and mm-hmm. they disappear to the woods sometimes. And so, <laughs> Hell yeah. um, you know, they don't know what's up in my life unless I come and tell them, like, you know, I have to like go and text them uh, instead of like, you know, me being at the podium of social media and posting Paris pics and, and posting like, you know, work I've been up to, um, you know, I have to individually inform everyone what's happening um, and sometimes it's six months before they emerge from the woods and get access to Wi-Fi. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I just actually had one of those um, uh, one of those meetups. Um, one mm-hmm. of my friends came from Oregon. I hadn't seen them in many years, and we just like we took this like masked walk um, Mm -hmm. and it was super fucking weird to like know that we've gone camping together um, in past years. And now we're like not even allowed to like hug each other and we have to like squeeze in all of this like Mm -hmm. quality time together. Um, And obviously like we're not on social media together. So um, I need to like go down the list of everything that has happened to me in the past like year 
um, just because, you know, they're going to go back to the woods and it's going to be a while. Yeah. Sure. Life happens. Yeah. I always like to figure out, like, who I'm going to have to inform of things via, like, text or phone. So I do this with all my friends with how I set, like, boundaries of who I need to talk to is in my phone I will purposely use certain emojis next to people's names that signify to me like this is someone that you are good friends with you should probably talk to them like I do things like that so that and people like I work with people that so then it also helps me because people reach out to me a lot and then it helps me prioritize who to talk to is it because you can't remember like these rankings otherwise I it's not it's a little bit of that I can't remember and also it's like I suck at prioritizing who I need to give an urgent response to because like we were saying with pandemic times that it's really hard to figure out like people expect an instantaneous response to everything like in-person communication. Mm -hmm. So I always think it's like, okay, who is a priority? Who is not going to take all of my mental energy? What is not going to make me freak out? Or also who do I want to talk to? So I kind of try to use that as like a quick glance. So even if my phone's across the room, I'll see that like specific color and I'll be like, okay, yeah. That, that has like a yellow thing next to it. That's Probably not idea. that important. Probably not someone that I need to update on every single thing or that's someone I work with. So I do things like that to try to keep it a little bit of boundary or at least have an idea of who is important. I really like that idea too. I also do something different for people whose like relationships, whether it's like romantic relationships or if it's just like friendships that I want to grow. Like, I'll use a little seedling for people who I want to do a better job at. Oh, that's and so talk cute. That's great. Like, because I would I like to that. grow that relationship. Like, I actually do that. Like, I would like to grow this friendship, relationship, whatever it might be. Or this person, like, with this person, and I should make an effort. That's, that's really good. That's fantastic. I, I, try to, I try to do that. The nice thing is nobody knows what my, like, emoji system means. So people just see different colors and thingies next to people's names, and they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's probably some inside joke. And I'm sitting there like, this is my very specific color-coded system to make sure that I know that this person is important in my life. Yeah, I so I miss going to shows because of those seedling friends, because mm-hmm. of all of those minor characters who, like, mm-hmm. maybe you see show, like, from one show to another show, and mm-hmm. maybe you don't know their names, but you're going to have, like, a great time being like hey how are you and or maybe you you want it to be more than just someone you hate and maybe you want to see them outside of that context Mm -hmm. and that's why they're a seedling friend to you yeah yeah i i i really miss like i i recently read something about like the power of acquaintances and like Mm -hmm. the acquaintance uh time that we've all lost this year and Mm -hmm. um like, I feel so renewed today just because I had a long conversation with a bookstore owner whose name I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And I just met her. Um, but we talked a good long time about um, Vermont. Uh, those are and... my favorite. Com- those are my favorite conversations. Yeah. Like, it's sad that the closest things that I had recently is my college called to update their alumni information. And the representative was, of course, trying to sell me on, like, a book, like, a book of, like, every single alumni from my college. And I was like, okay. But then he was asking me questions, like, what was your favorite memory of your time here? And all this stuff. And then we started just talking about football for, like, 20 minutes because I have very vivid memories of going to football games. And it was, like, one of those interactions. I'm like, yeah, even though I didn't end up buying anything from the guy, I felt really good about it. I don't I only know his name because they emailed me a survey at the end saying, how was your experience with this person? And I was like, five stars, 100%. Because I got to be like, go Gators. This was fun. Yeah. 
I got to nerd out about the season, even though I haven't really watched the season, but I got to at least share some good memories and some experiences that I haven't thought about in a while. That's so wonderful. I love that. I love strangers. I love being in public. I know this is very like, you know, mm-hmm. against all of the stereotypes of an autistic person, but I, I am such an extrovert. I just need, uh, you know, an entire week alone with my bird to recover. But yep. like, I, I love public. I miss public. I like being around people on my terms. Uh-huh. So I feel yep. like I'm a cat. Mm-hmm. I feel like a cat, like kind of like a cat. Like I will interact with you when I want to interact with you. And, but I like being around people. Like my cat's like that. Like she'll let you know when she wants you to hang out with her and give her food. But there are times she'll be like, just leave me the hell alone. And that's great. I really, I, I really want to get this in while we're on the subject. I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, Haley, can you, uh, do you want to, sort of uh plug the book that you wrote that you wrote a forward for i got the honor of writing the book for kathy hoopman's all cats are on the autism spectrum i believe it was going to be all cats are autistic but i think they decided against that Ah. but the first version of it was all cats have asperger's syndrome and that came out when i was like a teenager and my mom picked it up at a conference because we went to an autism conference as a family when at that age and she insisted on bringing this book home and i had no clue why And I'm sitting there thinking, like, as a teenager, of course, I'm too cool for picture books, of course. I'm way too cool for picture books. And this was, like, the coolest picture book ever. I'm like, oh, wow, this all makes sense. And then, like, two years ago, we got a cat. And now I'm like, yeah, cat is autistic. It's cool. Hell, yeah. I get why she shies away from people and she does whatever she does. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I identify with that, especially with when we talk about how we miss public. I'm like, I miss being in public on my terms. I miss being able to leave when it gets overwhelming. I miss being able to see people. I miss being able to talk to someone and not be afraid. Like, oh my God, this is exposure. This is a thing. There's a, a virus out there and I don't want to bring it home because my parent, my parents are immunocompromised and healthcare workers. Like, I don't want to do things like that. I try to be super careful. I don't really go out. And I'm like, yeah, I miss the public too. And I miss the public for different reasons. And meeting with the public over Zoom kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, you can't have that one-on-one interaction in a Zoom room with, when you're giving a webinar to a hundred people, you just can't. Absolutely. They don't stay after and you can't just have that one-on-one face-to-face. If you're lucky, you'll get a question in a chat box. People just act differently. Public <laughs> on the internet is not public as in like a bookstore. Yeah. See, I just forced Paris to be on me. Like that's <laughs> who I was reaching for. Um, I, we don't have any boundaries. Like, I don't know what it would be like to have a cat and like do different things. We like, we're we're two heads on the same body (laughs) so i just like he forces me to interact with him and i force Mm -hmm. him to interact with him what i i force him to interact with me yes that's the syntax that's awesome i feel i feel like cats kind of just exist they kind of do their thing they let you know when they want food they let you know when they want you to hang out with them would they be more roommates than pets do you think i i think so i mean our cat's pretty our cat's pretty cool like, she'll, like, if you want to hang out with her and everything, she's totally down, but she's not mean. She's not very meowy unless she wants something. She loves to go to the fridge. She loves to stay with you at night. Like, she does not want to be alone. But she's definitely, I would say she's definitely more of a stage five clinger in terms of roommates go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're back. Uh, so what I want to talk about is, uh, something that, you know, I have talked about how it annoys me before, but, you know, I also don't want to be like, uh, 
mid 2000s rant blogger guy <laughs> the the one of one of the worst aging uh, trends of this century and i know because i was really into it back in the day we would still love but, you though oh thank you but and as i've said on twitter before it would still be a zach budrick stan account even if you became oh. a mid-2000s rage blogger <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What, what about a Californication style um, sort of like, ah, these these kids and iPods and Apple and uh, I don't know. I just I just watched like part of season one and um, he thinks he's so cool, but he is so middle aged. He is so, so overwhelmingly mid- middle aged. So what my father would call a hipster doofus. Yeah, but he's also calling other people hipster doofuses while also sleeping with late teenagers. God. And it's anyway, funny. Zach, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's it's I was just gonna say it's funny we're uh recording this on Festivus, which, you know, every 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 year on this date we get to see all the people going, uh yeah, I I have this uh like really clever I have this really clever little private joke about this one of the uh, most popular TV shows of the '90s. Uh, you know, it's it's a little obscure, but if you'll indulge me, if you'll if you <laughs> still uh, indulge me, we'll begin with the airing of grievances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, my grievance. Yes, we're finally a, get we're yeah, finally getting grievance. to your, gr- is, your, your grievance, Zach. Please bring us your uh, when. When people send you a text or a message or some kind of digital communication, especially one with a question, and immediately start typing a new one while you are, uh, while you're trying to, while you're trying to uh, formulate your response, and you know, I, I, I try not to talk too much about how much this bothers me because I feel like it's very hard for me not to do it without sounding like I'm ranting. But, you know, it kind of feels like you're ranting at me at the same time when you do it. So, I like, so it's I, like I, the I, double text, but in, yeah, in, in, yeah. but in interrogatory form. Yeah. The, it, it, the, the, it sounds like a deposition or interrogatory has gone bad, which means I immediately don't like it. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Or the other thing I think of is the, uh, and this is the uh, forensics club slash drama kid <laughs> in me, but it's uh, it's what they call the gish gallop when it's uh, like it's a debate tactic, not considered a legitimate one, but uh, you know you essentially just uh, throw too much at the person mm-hmm. for them to ever coherently respond. Like you you can't. Uh, successfully counter like five different points that are all made before you have a chance to respond yep. and that uh, you know, what that is done in a knowingly hostile way but uh, what i'm talking about seems like that it's just how a lot of people communicate and mm-hmm. you know i the more i rant about it the more i kind of feel like an asshole because you know sometimes just how people communicate is how they communicate uh up to the point of like being actively harmful and i know i shouldn't take that so personally mm-hmm. but you know at the same time i get so mortified when someone like uh explicitly says to me uh you know the the way you are communicating with me is simply not going to work and so i have a lot of empathy about doing that to somebody else as well so really this only comes out this my problems with this really only come out in rants like this 
it's sort of the same sensation of being yelled at like uh you know i'm i'm okay so i i exist to absorb this now mm-hmm. okay I think people don't realize, I think people will keep going, and I know I do this when I know someone has been responding, and then I'm like, okay, this person's like actively listening to me on my rant or talking, even if they're not, and then I, and then it uh-huh. hits you like, oh, maybe I just like spam them. Yeah. And I think when it's someone asking a lot of questions, though, like you were saying, that's when it gets kind of overwhelming. So if I'm trying to answer your first question, don't send me another question, or I'm just going to wait it out. Until I no longer see the bubbles or any hint that you're typing. And I'm just going to answer it and you're just going to get a wall of text and you're going to have to deal with it. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. I don't know how people decide what their texting style is because I'm someone who does double text because I like to keep all my thoughts coherent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm usually like sending links and then like, you know, a message before and a message after, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think of the... Uh... It depends on the person. Yeah, I, I I guess I just always think of the uh, the sort of I, I guess it's become a whole meme. I don't know who originally said that, it, but it's like the th- three DMs that say, "I ain't reading all that. I'm happy for you though, or sorry yeah. that happened." <laughs> the worst is when you send like a wall of text and someone's just like, "Okay, lol," and you're like, "Did you even read what I just took the whole oh, time?" God. And they're like, "Yeah, you sent me a dissertation." Yes, it's this, uh, it's like, it feels like, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, a, uh, uh, it, it makes you paranoid about whether there's like an mm-hmm. imbalance in the relationship. That it's so true you, though. Because you wonder if you your have, friendship is equal. And that's when I always think that's, if it's that serious and you want to go on that much of a rant, just get off of text. Just like mm-hmm. talk to each other somehow, like actual human beings. Like I love texts. Because it saves me a lot of time, but I think it leads to so much extra miscommunication and misinterpretation and extra anxiety mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be there. That if it's really that important, like if it's really that important, just, just ask me if you can call me, please. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, a cultural divide because mm-hmm. all of my Jewish friends and Jewish family, um, they will call me out of the blue yep. and not be like, can I can I call you or I can call them out of the blue. Oh, for but sure. sometimes, sometimes I've, I've tried to call Catholics, um, out <laughs> of the blue and like, they're very, they're very scared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very confrontational to them. That's I just so like, interesting. you know, even though I, you know, I'm just gonna like, I also grew kvetch up or whatever. Mm-hmm. I also grew up uh, Jewish. So I'm a hundred percent with you that the call out of the blue is very normal to me. Oh, it's so normal. Yeah, and I realized Jews call. the older that I got, the more I'm like, this doesn't happen to most people. Like, I've learned just to ask because that's kind of like ingrained in me as a social skill with neurotypicals right. in general, especially because mm-hmm. so many of us autistic folk do have like phone anxiety. But I think for me, I don't have that phone anxiety with people I know because I'm so used to just calling people and getting the call out of the blue because that's just how I grew yep. up. So this is amazing because uh, my mom, who is, I guess, probably the person I have actual uh, spoken phone conversations with yep. most often, is Irish Catholic. And every time I call her and she is not uh, able to talk right then, she will uh, like try to make like formal arrangements to call me back and <laughs> ask if she can call me back. Oh, and my God. It, and even if I tell her that I am only available uh, 
when I'm calling her. And so we should just uh, put this off until later. She will always, always uh, try to call me back when she has, when she next has a spare moment, like later that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just... I can't imagine I'm scheduling. Used to my mo- I can't mm. either. I'm just used to my mom calling me whenever. And I learned if it's at a certain time of day that it's probably an emergency or something. Like I have very vivid yeah. memories of being in court at nine o'clock in the morning. And of course, like if I was in court, like you just don't call me when I'm in court. I'm not going to get it. Like I, because I can't number one, number two, it's just not appropriate. And yeah. I have very vivid memories of one of the first times she called me when I was in court and she knew I was in court and my phone keeps buzzing. And I'm like, okay, I have to excuse myself. The next time the judge says it's a recess or whatever, run to the bathroom. And I'm like, mom, did somebody die? Oh God! And she's like, yep. she's like, you know, I'm at the store. There's this really cute top. It's a fashion emergency. This woman's gonna grab it out of my cart. Do you want it? And I'm like, I'm at court. <laughs> <laughs> and then like when I would be in the office, and I learned because my mom would go to one of the stores at like 9:30 in the morning on Monday mornings. I would learn anytime my phone rang or she called the office to talk to me at 9:30 in the morning because she's a caller. I knew it was about stuff like clothes and shopping and something and after a while my paralegal yeah. would be like is it a fashion emergency and i'd be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that just kind of, and like i've kind of learned in general with callers if it's at work hours and it's not work related or if it's in very early in the morning or very very late at night or in the middle of the night it's probably an emergency and i should get it like no one's going to call me in their right mind at 5 a.m mm-hmm. yeah most of my calling hours going out or coming in are like 3 to 5 p.m. That mm-hmm. That's calling hours for everybody. That's office hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like for me, calling yeah. hours with non-family is like I would always do between 6 and 10. Like mm-hmm. like I'd call you to say goodnight. I'll call you when it's, you know, time for whatever. And it's just, just someone I just want to hang out and talk with, like a friend. We'll talk, into, we'll talk after, later if we want because we're playing a game mm-hmm. or we're doing something else. But general, or if it's after like, that six to ten frame, they know to ask me because either I'm sleeping or I'm busy or I just don't want to deal with things that late at night. So, but yeah, I think people just don't understand those boundaries, especially when it does come to phone calls, especially because so many people are anxious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it it kind of factors into me uh, my uh, career as a journalist as well, mm-hmm. just because sometimes I will need to get in touch with someone mm-hmm. and there's uh, only. Uh, that the only contact information available for them is a phone number, which, know. you know, on on the one hand, you know, a journalist has to make calls sometimes, but on the other hand, every time I run up against that, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, geez, uh, get, uh, get with the program there, guy. <laughs> You're like, please just send me a one-sentence quote. <laughs> make my uh, life easier. Yeah. Did, did we adequately um, answer your double-texting thing, though? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's... I, I think that that uh, you know again I this is for me this has always less been a quandary about how uh, you know how do I uh, get people to stop doing this mm-hmm. and more the fact that you know people have different ways of communicating mm-hmm. and maybe like a big part of being a person is becoming more okay with them not all aligning with how I communicate mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, that's feels like kind of the mandate of this show sometime, mm-hmm. sometimes to figure out how to sort of align those differences mm-hmm. and what we are talking about, like the sort of how 
uh, human communication styles are vast and contain multitudes. They really do. do. Make me does make me feel a little better about that. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be someone way worse at communication. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like Art from Tinder. I was mm-hmm. going to say Art from Tinder <laughs> definitely has won that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my. Uh, my very dearest friend, uh, someone with whom I have like the kind of relationship uh, where they are just always uh, like sending me memes and serious questions and like uh, things that they would like advice on as well. And, you know, eventually I said, uh, you know, uh, at one point they were uh, DMing me while I was working and like it was several at once and I didn't want them to feel ignored, so I just said, you know, I, 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 I'm working, but I see you, I acknowledge you, and mm-hmm. you know, they said, you know, I, 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 I am, I, I am never over here mm-hmm. getting impatient. Uh, as far as your schedule goes, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you're just like my, you're like my filing system for memes, honestly. <laughs> And, you know, I, I, I'm still a little anxious when they do that, too. But it was very helpful to get that level of clarification from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with my gym buddy, since we can't go to the gym this year, um, we've just been round the clock sending each other disturbing memes um, <laughs> or, like, really fucking weird tweets we find at 5 a.m. Um, and we never acknowledge the messages that each other are sending we just send more messages so you know just like uh winnie the pooh stuffed animal in tim's um and like the french anarchist takeover of mcdonald's called après m um like we just send like pictures and tweets back and forth and you know um you make the most of it Huh? Yeah, yeah, just like the most deranged shit we can find um, in the middle of the night. Uh, and we never have to like, be like, oh, haha, didn't get this earlier, just woke up. It's just like, we just we just send a constant deluge to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, uh, far be it for me to praise uh, Facebook for anything, unless this suddenly became like a... Uh, pro Rohingya ethnic cleansing podcast, which it is not and never will be. But uh I really do appreciate uh that you can like uh emoji emoji react to like individual messages. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes all I need to all I need to do to connect with uh my best friend who I was talking about earlier is uh laugh react to whatever Star Wars meme they sent me. And you know, we are we're vibing. I, I do that a lot too. It's just like an emoji emoji reaction, like on Facebook, or even like when you like like or heart something. Just there's a way of saying like I saw this, but I don't have the mental energy or anything else to say more. But you know that I'm thinking of you, and I saw you, or mm-hmm. even when I was just doom scrolling. Or sometimes, what more is there to say than liking it or liking exactly, at it? especially with right. me- memes. But even with more serious things, sometimes like people will be like, or someone I'll know from law school will be like, "Look, I'm engaged," and I'll be like. I wasn't friends with you in law school. I don't want to write out like a whole congratulatory heartfelt thing, but I'll just be like, mm-hmm. good job, dude. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. As long, I feel like what's weird is if it's something good like that and then you just automatically just your finger slides and then you end up sad reacting 
and then oh god yeah like that's my biggest fear then they're gonna be like oh god why are you so mad at me i just got engaged to my like college sweetheart everything is going great because i'm at the i'm at the age right now where everyone that i went to school with is like getting married and having babies i feel like that's kind of a Mm -hmm. thing right now and i'm sitting there like just smashing that heart and like react and i'm sitting there like what if i accidentally do the wrong thing are they just gonna think i'm like old and bitter that i'm not getting married and having babies (laughs) <laughs> I had a friend uh, the other day uh, angry react to a picture of my baby niece, and you know, I, I, I <laughs> actually, out. <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 I asked her, you know. I would really like to nip this in whatever this is in the bud if that was intentional. But oh uh, she said, no, no, it was an accident. She's adorable. And uh, I said, you know, obviously no hard feelings. I have, like, I have... Uh, I've I've laugh reacted to my share of bad news. I got COVID statuses. <laughs> oh, so as long as you're not laugh reacting to like a 10 year old picture, then it shows that you've been like stalking their feed. Yeah. Yeah. That's the funniest thing to picture someone angry reacting Willow specifically. <laughs> I know. That's very funny to me. Willow's precious. I, 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 yeah. I was worried that uh, this person was like, ah, he's posting that fucking baby again. But, uh, <laughs> We get it, <laughs> which, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I was worried that I had somehow, like, poked the bear that was, like, that this friend of mine had been, like, an our child-free person mm-hmm. this whole time or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, your, your little freaking brat is uh, taking up uh, valuable space in the line at Harry Potter World. I'm <laughs> mad about it. But you, no, you have no, the best takes. Ah, uh, Chase, thank you. Thank you. I, uh, again, this is, if there's one thing that, you know, being online through all the lockdowns and everything has taught me, it's that, uh, you know, every kind of guy exists and every kind of deranged opinion exists. So yeah. mm-hmm. you, sh- you, sh- you should never assume that you have not found yourself uh, in the presence mm-hmm. of someone like that. Yeah, I mean... I think as far as you, you just still have, you just still exhibit the nice, wonderful, big wife guy energy, and I, I we stand, oh, we we stand. Thank you. I, I'm thank glad you. that I finally get to say this without looking like a dork on Twitter, so it makes me quite oh, happy. No, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I I heard big Wi-Fi energy. Big wife, <laughs> like big you wife have guy, a very energy. strong connection. But yes, wife guy, <laughs> wife guy energy forever. That's a different Episode- kind of connection. Episode title, Big Wi-Fi Energy. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I- I'm here for it. Yeah, up until that point, I was thinking it would be like uh, seedling friends, but I think that Big Wi-Fi Energy <laughs> is the uh, perfect episode title. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I feel like when we we're kind of coming off the... Because we're sticking to the sort of text communication, so I'm one of those people that... Whenever I get some kind of messaging from someone that feels deeply uncomfortable, I just don't respond. And then I'm like, am I a jerk for not acknowledging that this violated my boundaries or that it made me feel uncomfortable or just how do I deal with this? Because I feel like the fact that I just ignore it completely and hope that it kind of falls into Charlie's object permanence theory of this person no longer exists because I didn't deal with it. I don't know if that works. And then, of course, then if you get another response, it's like the double text thing. And then you're like, oh, no, they're overwhelming me. But how do I set that firm boundary if someone says something that makes me very uncomfortable? Like, I think 
so I kind of have a rule that I don't talk about my dating life, for instance, on social media, because it's just something that I would want to talk about with a partner. I would want them to know if like they feel comfortable with this or whatever. And if it doesn't work, I don't want to like deal with the questions or whatever it may be. And then you'll get some stranger that slides into the DMs and is like, can you tell me about your boyfriend or whoever? And even if I'm not seeing anyone, I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I'll just ignore it. Or they'll be like, or I'll get an email from a parent or an autistic guy that's like, hey, would you go out with me? I'm interested in yourself. And I, and I just like won't be like, no, as much as it makes me very uncomfortable and it's kind of disturbing that this stuff actually happens. I'll just ignore it completely. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wow, am I like the biggest jerk on the planet? Or is this honoring my boundaries and they don't see that this was inappropriate? Like, I guess I kind of am asking in a way, like, if it's validating or if it's okay that I just, I guess I ghost these one-off messages that come from strangers and mostly people I don't know because I think that's something that we deal with as people who are very online and that we are in the disability space generally and people feel that they have access to all sorts of information about us and our Mm -hmm. and the fact that we're autistic and all that but I'm just kind of wondering like is it bad that I just ignore this stuff because like it's not something severe enough that I'd go like call the cops or something and say or try to get a restraining order like it's nothing like really off the wall it's more just like this is deeply disturbing and I wouldn't send this message to a stranger well with a stranger you're not ghosting them Mm -hmm. it's because there is no prior relationship Mm -hmm. so if they email into the void and the void never writes back even if they do it multiple times Oh, I mean, yeah, no. Even if you're just a void? Definitely ignore. Yeah, yeah, just, you're, you're just a black hole. You don't have to, yeah, you don't have to acknowledge that someone's in there. Um, They're just like, they're just doing this for their own benefit. For example, you know, these people asking you out um, when you know nothing about them, they knew nothing about you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you don't owe them anything. That's what I feel like, but I'm also like, I'm scared that I'm violating some weird social rule or even if like if I'm dating someone, I'm not going to be like, I'm dating someone. No. And it's just I'm going to let it sit in that void. I'm like, should I be at least let them down gently in some way or do I just let it sit in the void forever? Because I leave a lot of stuff just in purgatory, including friend requests. I just leave things in purgatory. I think that there are people where it can be kind of a crapshoot whether Mm -hmm. they are going to respect your boundaries if you assert them Mm -hmm. and i think it's perfectly valid to make a choice not to not to roll the dice on that Mm -hmm. so you know it's it 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 sucks Mm -hmm. that you might you may need to make that choice to feel safe Mm -hmm. but you're making that choice is still valid So I want to hear more about autistic parents trying to set you up with their children. Okay, so probably the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, and this happens, it happens both in person and online, but it's a lot weirder online, is when you have parents, seemingly neurotypical parents of autistic young men. I don't know how old they are because I never get to meet these young men because I don't really have interest and it just never happens that way. And they'll be talking about how great their sons are and they will be trying to be like, you should meet and I would love for you to meet and all this stuff. And it's very uncomfortable or I'll just hear from autistic men randomly like, hi, will you go out with me via email or Instagram DMs? And it's just so deeply uncomfortable and it has no respect for me as a person because we you don't know if we have anything in common other than autism and it feels like being seen as an avatar of 
you are a seemingly attractive, presenting, autistic woman, therefore. And I guess it goes into the parents' fear of no one's going to love my kid. Mm -hmm. Very love on the spectrum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it also feels like almost like a social media version of sort of Mm -hmm. like an like an old timey, uh, like small town dynamic mm-hmm. where like mm-hmm. sort of the uh, elders of the, of the, the community's church or synagogue or whatever <laughs> are just, uh, viewing that as, uh, their mm-hmm. children's dating pool, regardless mm-hmm. of yeah. whether they have anything in common. I, yeah. I really like that you brought up love on the spectrum earlier because I feel like that's just ruined it that much more. Because ever yeah. since that show, people genuinely don't think that, like, we will date people that are neurotypical. And it's like, that's, autism that... is, I, I, I'm very proud to be autistic. I talk about it a lot on the internet. But, like, it's not a personality trait and it's not my entire personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is this podcast's, uh, that is this podcast's equivalent of Batman's parents getting killed. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we were inspired to uh, do the podcast because we hated the idea of love on the spectrum being the most sort of uh prominent like thing yeah the, the prominent uh cultural mm-hmm. depiction of uh, autistic yeah, people and how fully, they form relationships mm-hmm. it was fully out of spite we we founded this project fully out of spite <laughs> i mean it feels like sometimes though it's weird being like the IRL version of love on the spectrum when people are like you autistic person please date other autistic person Mm-hmm. Or or I yeah. have a great autistic grandson friend, someone for you, and it's like whoa 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 what? Yeah. Like, and of course I will. If someone emails me like that, or an autistic person emails me like that, I will let it sit in the void forever. Yeah. And then I will want to tap the sign about boundaries and consent, and I wonder if it's misogyny. I wonder if it's entitlement, or just not being lonely, or that these fo- young folks just don't know better, or worse, their families encouraged it. God. Yeah, because I think a lot of autistic adults, especially autistic young men, um, are get this uh, perpetual childhood projected on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and either their parents uphold it or like we just talked with Sarah Luterman, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain certain young men, both autistic and holistic, um, don't know how to do their laundry and let their parents baby them. Um, whereas this was not extended to us growing up, not as men. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, both both non-autistic autism parents and love on the spectrum um, just uphold this perpetual childhood thing. And then that gets into like, you know, do people think that we as autistic people can't consent? And that's mm-hmm. that's really where it gets sort of gritty. Exactly. I feel like that's a whole other conversation to talk about consent. But I think a lot of the times it's just not taught or it's just expected that I think as disabled people generally that we are not sexual beings or don't want those things. Our parents will wrongly yes. assume that we don't want it when we grow up. And then they'll go and then on the same coin while they're saying we don't think that they're capable. But who will love my child when I'm not here? It's like, it's like commit to one side or the other. It's so confusing, at least to me. Yeah. They, they want to set up a a very chaste marriage, um, uh, a a meeting of the two families, (laughs) but you know, they will not, they will not, very Victorian. 
<laughs> Very, yeah. Um, they will not admit what is actually our podcast's unofficial motto, autistic people fuck. <laughs> and we also fall in love and all the other good stuff that go- goes along with that. So it's just like... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I guess it's just me trying to be the, ever the optimist because I am kind of an idealist and a romantic. And I'm like, yeah, it's just... I would like the whole package. Yeah. I just don't think I just don't think that's coming from parents who want to set me up on a blind date with their son who no. is autistic. Okay. And I don't think it's with an autistic person who slides into my DMs and just goes, Hi, I'm so and so. I have Asperger's. Will you go out with me? Do mm-hmm. we even live in the same city? What is yeah. your name? Where are you from? What are you interested? I know nothing about you and you just expect me to go out with you like I am some like new toy? I am very confused. And I will let it sit into a black hole and I'm just waiting for someone to just get angry about that. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be like, but we thought you'd be friendlier. We thought you'd be this. And it's like, I just don't want to go near this with a 10 foot pole. Oh, God. Yeah. It is one of the better things I think that's come out of recent events in this is not I don't have that happen as much. I think because we're not as visible in person or in public like we talked about because a lot of people that I'd meet would be at conferences or networking events or other things and networking culture is kind of at a standstill right now. So I think that kind of helps a little bit, but it's still kind of freaky when this like happens. Yeah. And I just feel guilty. Like I should probably enforce a boundary, but how do I enforce a boundary without looking like a jerk? And also if it sits in the black hole and I ignore it, does it just not exist? And as long as I feel safe, I think it's okay. I do miss networking though. Um, because you can really get a vibe for someone in person uh, versus, you know, uh, someone DMing you um, as if you are a sex dispenser. Mm-hmm. It's so true, though. Definitely. And it's, uh, you know, I, I was thinking earlier when uh, Charlie was talking about what we talked about uh, with Sarah uh, mm-hmm. about how, you know, as the cliche goes, it's different for girls. And, you know, I, I really feel like uh, with autistic men in particular, and this is not mm-hmm. even exclusively an autism thing, but also like one of many things I feel like we have uh, rom-com tropes to blame for is, you know, that that this idea that it is uh, far more a woman or a non-binary person's uh, duty to sort of learn mm-hmm. to love learn to love a quote unquote quirky man than mm-hmm. it is with things reversed uh, it that uh, including if he is like uh blunt to the point of making them uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of shielding um that happens uh with all men but uh <laughs> with autistic men you know we we always have to um remind ourselves and remind these men like you know your misogyny isn't coming from the fact that you are autistic exactly that does not excuse that does not excuse your um choosing to ignore boundaries Mm -hmm. i think there's a difference between choosing to ignore boundaries and genuinely not understanding boundaries i think that is two Mm -hmm. completely different things because i think as a yeah. result of autism, you might, some people might not understand it because it might not be communicated clearly. It might not be explicit or it might just be not kind of fuzzy because sometimes that boundary is there, sometimes it's not. But I think if it's deliberately choosing to ignore them or not like respecting it, that's a misogyny thing. I think there has to be some kind of line that gets drawn because I do think that 
we have communication glitches and we fail just like everybody else. But I think that also falls on autistic and neurotypical people alike to like fig analytic people like, hey, we all got to figure out this communication thing together. And there are some people that are just really terrible communicators. I watched The Bachelor and The Bachelor and The Bachelorette to me are just... Of course. You just see really bad communication. Like last night was the finale and I don't want to give spoilers if you don't watch The Bachelorette, but... Tasha I, I do him. watch it, but I hate it so much, so you can spoil it because <laughs> I hate it because it's, it's not realistic. Trash. It is trash, but I watch it because I don't think for two hours. Yeah. But she sent someone home on Fantasy Suite Week because they realized they had different religious beliefs, and I'm like, wouldn't this have been something you would have discussed or communicated about before you want to introduce this person to your family and possibly get a proposal from them? Well, so this was on Fantasy Suite Week. So did they already <laughs> fuck or was the argument like about going into the Fantasy Suite? So what happened, and I don't know if this is just really crappy editing, is well, yesterday was the fa- Fantasy Suite itself because they split it into two weird episodes because yesterday was the finale and yes, yesterday, and the day before was Fantasy Suites. So she goes to the Fantasy yeah. Suite with this guy. They, it's in some Airstream because of course it is. They're all quarantined on this resort property. And they, they look like they're having a good time. They're having breakfast together. Who knows what happened? I think that some people on that show use the fantasy suite to actually talk because the cameras aren't there the whole time. But whatever they do in the fantasy suite, you do you. More power to you. But she at the rose ceremony for the last three guys, she pulls the one she's about to send home aside. She talks about how last night in the fantasy suite they were talking about, like, religion or something and that she decided they're not compatible because of their religious beliefs. I'm saying they're like, wouldn't you want to discuss your religious beliefs or that that makes you not compatible before you decide to, like, bring this person home to your parents and maybe even get a proposal from them or, you know, before you decide you're going to be in a committed, semi-committed relationship or... Because I don't feel like you make it to Fantasy Suite Week on a show like that just on the expectation of having sex. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't get it. And it just... And all I was able to think, I'm like, wow, these neurotypical people really suck at communicating. If you're going to wait until right before, after you met his... One person's parents and family members, you had this overnight date, or whatever you want to call it, and then you decide, yeah, our religious beliefs don't align, so I'm not going to introduce you to my family and expect a proposal from you next week. Yeah. I think this might be the most that poor Zach has had to learn about The Bachelor. No, 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 it's fine. I just, it's because I was thinking about uh, something uh, similar this week, actually. You know, I had uh, someone that I asked a direct question over email and they took forever to respond, even though I felt like it was a fairly important thing. And I'm like, you know... I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, this person is a bad, this neurotypical person is a bad communicator. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, maybe it's, maybe mm-hmm. it's, maybe the problem is not always me specifically. And maybe the problem is not always my neurotype specifically. Exactly. Maybe, maybe they have just uh, like mm-hmm. got us in this headspace where they do. We, we always pathologize the way we think and they are under no obligation to feel the same. And maybe we can break free of that. Mm -hmm. It's always, it's always about investing in a system where you learn to communicate and respect boundaries. Mm -hmm. And um, it is assumed that non-autistic people don't have to work at it. So Mm -hmm. they don't, um, and they don't invest in this, um, 
this learning, Mm -hmm. this, you know, ever growing uh, emotional knowledge, um, you know, you can't win at it. You Mm -hmm. always have to get better. They, they don't, they don't find this important. So it's on us to not break their very unclear rules. Mm -hmm. I think it also kind of goes to this idea. So there was a really wonderful blog post a couple of years ago I believe her name is Cassie Ann and it was called meeting you halfway or something of that nature I could probably link it to you guys later and she explained like at the in this post it was explained like there's no such thing as meeting you halfway in autistic and neurotypical communication because it's expected that the autistic person does 95 97 percent of the work and the neurotypical mm-hmm. person complains about their three percent and says meet me halfway because all of a sudden 90 like 95 percent of the effort is not enough and you have to now give 97 so they could begrudgingly give their three percent of the effort and I was like yeah how come it isn't that neurotypicals are expected to work at communication the same way we do and if there's ever a communication mishap that automatically falls on me who has a communication difference yeah like it just seems kind of ridiculous yes. yeah so I, I like I like when I do watch things like reality tv because then I see that neurotypicals suck at communicating too uh-huh. it just shouldn't be pinned on us to be the ones who are expected to be A plus perfect communicators when, you know, everybody has communication differences and struggles sure. and can be better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, that's one of the, literally one of the oldest stories there is. I mean, you got the Tower of Babel, for God's sake. Like, this is, <laughs> this is like a cornerstone of a lot of modern western culture so again Mm -hmm. it's don't don't put this on us Mm -hmm. so basically i think what we learned today is everybody needs some help being better communicators including the neurotypicals and i would love to know their i would love their perspective on this Mm -hmm. i would love to interrogate them oh god yeah oh me too Mm -hmm. yeah do we have like a neurotypical Um, scholar like someone who just studies neurotypicals that would be a great guest yeah, I I would like not necessarily a therapist or a behavior specialist. Um, I would just like a normal neurotypical person, <laughs> and we will ask them over and over yes. what's wrong with them. A reality I TV producer. It. That's that's a neurotypicality scholar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we please get a producer? Um, that would be amazing. <laughs> So I don't know what we should do for our final segment. Um, in the past, it's been like, what's your least favorite texture this week? Um, what has gotten you mad on Netflix this week? Um, so like, what about December has been especially terrible? Or, you know, set, I guess from some kind of autistic weird perspective of it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what, I know what I'm trying to say. I just don't know how to put it in words. Yeah, no, December is so rough uh, in normal years. Uh, But for me, seeing the first snow, Mm -hmm. which is usually so exciting for me, Mm -hmm. um, that was very devastating. And I got really angry because we, we were emerging from a winter when the pandemic lockdown started. Mm -hmm. And now we're, we're fully in a winter. And nothing has changed. And actually, things have gotten way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of threw a fit. I kind of, I kind of imploded when, when the snow started coming down. And I had to really admit, like, I've been inside this entire year, and um, mm-hmm. the government is literally genocidal. 
um, has allowed over 300,000 Americans to die. Mm -hmm. Um, The restaurants are open. Some college campuses are open. Some Mm -hmm. uh, grade schools are open. Um, I mean, yeah, this is maybe too depressing, but... um, It really is a depressing year. Yeah, I... I live in Florida, I've been very angry. Yeah, I've just been very angry that it's December and... Mm -hmm. um, and that things are just so goddamn shitty. I'm so sorry. Especially, like, thinking about the first snow. I think about before this started was the first time I ever saw snow. So, mm-hmm. and being in Florida, it's like the weather doesn't change. I'm pretty sure it was cold for maybe, like, a day or two since I've been home. I It's just so weird. And it's December, and I'm like, yeah, I'm angry because I see people traveling and doing all these things and we're told not to and we keep getting told not to and what do people do just do the thing but do it 10 times worse like please listen to your experts and care about your loved ones because I would like to be able to hug everybody forever and I would like to be able to you know go back to public again I miss public as you so eloquently stated earlier so I guess that's what's making me angry this December is that we're also being told like hey Go enjoy this time with your family. Spend this time with your family. But also, like, please don't do that because you could kill people. Yeah. Like, the messaging is the messaging is kind of messed up. Yeah, the messaging is kind of um, America's diet culture because Absolutely. it's all about a cheat. It's all about a cheat day. And, oh, my God. Oh, don't we deserve this little treat? And it's it just, you know, mm-hmm. so many more people are infecting their families because, I mean, I don't. I don't blame you for wanting to see your families and mm-hmm. wanting to be close. Um, but the, the way people are doing it is very, it's very much a cheat day and mm-hmm. it's very much like, Oh, other people are the problem. I'm exactly. not the problem because I'm a good person and I'm staying safe. But, but we're not. all, but you're doing the same thing, especially if you're crossing state lines and doing all this other stuff. Like it's different if you live at home and you're spending the holiday with your family. Like I right. like I came home at the beginning of the pandemic. I live at home basically right now. Do I want to live at home yep. right now? It's complicated because you know I have a life that is on hold because it's like I was doing the thing in Miami. I have a one bedroom apartment. It's like, but I've been home because you know obvious reasons, and I would like not to be alone with no car, just hold up in a little tiny apartment. Like that just doesn't seem smart. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like I'm lucky that I get to see my family this year and that I'm with my family. But I'm also like. Other people who definitely have not moved at home, moved home or live apart from their family and they're going through airports and they're taking these really long ass road trips. I'm like, what are you doing? And somehow yeah. saying it's an other people problem. It's like, honey, you're, you're part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. We're all other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To someone. Absolutely. Exactly. And uh, I guess mine is uh, a, a little less drastic, but I just... You know, I, every everybody here knows uh, how how uh, you know big into movies I am, and how much mm-hmm. I miss the ritual of going going to theaters. And you know, at this at this point in a normal year, I would be uh, like sort of running through a checklist of what you need to see before the Oscars. And you know, I I I miss that ritual. I don't blame I don't blame you. I miss my I miss movies for different reasons, especially because now I'm thinking about it. So when I was in college, and even before that, like one of my parents' friends and my a friend, like a family friend of ours, he used to be a director for like Oprah. So he was a member of one of those like directors guilds and always used to get the screeners. 
and Ooh. and my friend never wanted to watch her dad's screeners. So I would always get them. And over winter break, I would just sit at home and watch screeners. Oh, wow. And That's incredible. ever since, I mean, since my mom and her mom, like, broke up as friends, we no longer get screeners. And her dad, I found out through Facebook, of course, that her dad passed. So there's no more screeners coming in, even if I wanted them. But I'm also like, am I allowed to still be sad that it's been, like, five years now and I still wish that I had screeners? Because, like, if there's any time that I would like screeners for Oscar consideration or a year roundup, it would be now. Yeah, I mean... I think that that's one of the big things about the, you know, the pandemic in general is, you know, even if it hasn't uh, been the end of the world for us and it has for all intents and purposes been for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, you, you are, you, you're, you're not selfish for missing having fun too. Exactly. Like I miss sitting down and I miss sitting down with my family and her family and everybody watching screeners. Like I mm-hmm. miss that. Yeah. Yeah, and the experience of the movie theater, too. Um, movie theater freaked you know, me out. That's so... Oh, okay. Well, I, <laughs> think, Different strokes. I think Zach and I really like it. Yeah. I like it, but it also freaks me out because I'm like, what? I wouldn't know if something dangerous happened. And also, like, there's lots of germs and who knows what. And I feel like I get sick every time I go to a movie theater. And I hate getting ripped off on popcorn. You're ahead of the curve. But there, it was always, like, a germy thing because you never knew, like, what was getting touched and there were so many people in this, like, tight space. Like, there's something about it, especially, like... I just remember seeing a bunch of sticky little kids. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope post-pandemic that when people are sick uh, in America, they, they stay will just home. behave like Asia has always behaved and, and wear masks still. Mm-hmm. For sure. Always, wash your always. hands. Wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. Wear a mask. Do the thing. Don't, don't, don't be the where's my hug guy. And don't say that you're not, you're you're somehow better than other people for traveling and doing things that are go against whatever public health people are saying. Don't be that person, because you yeah, are no you are exception. you are other people to to somebody else. You are other people, as yeah. you have so lovely stated. Uh, so that'll do it for us. Thank you so much uh, to Haley. Is there anything coming up that you want to promote? Not off the top of my head right now, because it's just a weird time. I think for everybody. But I just want everyone to stay safe and enjoy the wholesomeness. And hopefully you learned something and got some advice from us or that you two also feel that we were able to help with all the the weird stuff that goes on in the world in our own personal little dramas. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And, you know, to all our listeners, uh, you know, this is almost certainly going to be the last time you hear from us this year. And it's obviously not going to be like uh flipping a switch we still got Mm -hmm. uh ways to go but we just want to wish you all at the very least an improved new year and you know uh a reasonably happy new year yeah yeah take care everyone thank you for listening to this episode of stem for stem a relationship podcast for and by people on the autism spectrum special thanks to our guest Haley moss Stim for Stim is hosted by Zach Budrick and Charlie Stern and edited by Alyssa Huntley.